Section 108 of The United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in October 2020. The World's Story, Volume 13, The United States. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 108. The Triumph of the Wireless. 1909 by captain j b ranson royal naval reserve on the morning of the disaster we had already made the nantucket lightship by the submarine bell the baltic was inward bound for new york from liverpool and we were going at a reduced speed in a very heavy fog we had located the lightship about midnight and had proceeded about eighty miles to the westward at seven fifteen on that saturday morning the wireless operator came rushing up to me on the bridge he did not take time to write the message on the usual printed form but had put it down on the first slip of paper he could lay his hands on and handed me this message the republic dangerously latitude forty point seventeen north longitude seventy west you can see from the wording of the message from which some such word as injured is apparently omitted after the word dangerously in what urgent haste it was sent it came from the wireless station at siasconset on the island of nantucket my first move was to throw the helm hard a starboard and make for the position of the republic with all possible speed we knew her latitude and longitude and our job was to find her in the thickest kind of a fog at that time we were sixty-four miles from the position given us in the first message from the republic but of course she was drifting all the time and during our twelve hours search i estimate we travelled two hundred miles in our zigzag course before we found her and all within a sea area of ten square miles but before i go on with the story i might explain the three scientific methods which we employed in our hunt for the drifting republic these were wireless telegraphy the submarine bell and telephone system and sir william thompson's apparatus for sounding wireless telegraphy you are doubtless familiar with almost all passenger vessels as well as naval ships are supplied with it and can communicate with each other or with the stations on land within a radius of two hundred miles a wireless message cannot convey to you the definite position of a moving vessel the electric waves from a wireless instrument move in a circle it is like throwing a stone into the water and the stronger you throw the stone the farther the wavelets go so if you get a distress call the vessel sending it may be anywhere in any direction within a circle of two hundred miles of which the sending vessel is the centre of course a vessel in trouble can send her latitude and longitude and that helps to locate her but if you are in a fog and have lost your reckoning wireless will not help you much in regard to the position of the land but a submarine bell will the nantucket lightship like all modern lightships in this country great britain and the continent of europe has a submarine bell which is kept constantly ringing by compressed air i believe 
the sound waves go out below the surface of the water and can be heard for a distance of seventeen miles by passing ships with the proper instruments installed on my ship for example there are two apertures on either side of the bow which you might call submarine ears they are connected by wires with a telephone receiver on the bridge by listening at this telephone and switching the instrument from the starboard ear to the port ear and back again you can hear the faint tones of the lightship's submarine bell when you get in range of it if the tone is louder through the starboard ear than through the port ear you know the lightship is on your starboard side if the tone is exactly the same through both ears you know the lightship is dead ahead this apparatus helped me greatly as i shall explain later in finding the republic the third method i employed in connection with the wireless telegraph and submarine bell was sir william thompson's sounding apparatus the baltic was equipped with this appliance and we could take soundings to the depth of one hundred fathoms while going at full speed employing the ordinary method of a sounding lid attached to a rope you have to stop your ship dead to take a sounding the modern sounding appliance is attached to a wire like a piano string and it goes to the bottom records the depth and is hoisted to the deck again without the ship's speed being retarded a second moreover the weight at the end of the wire is filled with a substance often just common brown soap to which some of the soil or sand or mud of the bottom of the sea sticks an examination of this material which is frequently described on the charts or is known from previous experience helps to locate your position this explanation will enable you to understand a little better perhaps how we pursued the republic all day long like a hound on the scent and finally found her at about half past six in the evening after steering and zigzagging about all day the republic's position as i have already said kept constantly changing in the fog and as fast as i could get to a point of latitude and longitude noted in the last wireless message received captain sealby on the republic would have moved involuntarily of course to another i was getting wireless messages thick and fast all the time from captain sealby on the republic from the company's office in new york via sias Consett, and from the other ships which had joined in the search for the republic in response to the cqd distress call of which we have heard so much during the past few days this is a general danger signal to all ships equipped with wireless apparatus within range and warns them to be on the alert to render help if necessary the initials cqd may naturally be supposed to stand for come quick danger the message i received was as follows hear general call and message repeated republic fifteen miles south of nantucket light vessel requires immediate assistance do utmost to reach her Sias among the ships responding to the cqd message were the luciana la lorraine the furnesia the new york the gresham and the seneca the latter two being united states government vessels 
you can easily imagine that our operator was kept pretty busy receiving these messages and sending them to the bridge and that on the bridge we were kept busy not merely responding to them by wireless replies but changing the course of our ship in response to the directions or instructions which they gave as a matter of fact it may literally be said that my ship the baltic was steered some of the time by captain sealby on the republic for example read these messages from captain sealby here captain ransom selected from a pile of a hundred or more telegrams written on the thin paper blanks of the marconi company the following dispatches apologizing for their somewhat bedraggled appearance which he explained was due to the fog and rain that enveloped the baltic's bridge where they had been received and read the outlook editors you are getting louder keep steering east-south-east listen for our ship's bell sealby steer southeast now sealby but it was not only these direct instructions that helped me which were received of course after we were near enough to the republic so that she could hear our whistle and the bombs we were firing some of captain sealby's telegrams helped me by inference for example quite early in the day i received this wireless have picked up nantucket by submarine bell bearing north northeast sounding thirty-five fathoms sealby now this gave me very important and useful information i knew that the nantucket lightship's bell could be heard by the submarine telephone not over seventeen miles and that therefore the republic must be within a radius of seventeen miles from the lightship consequently when i could not hear the submarine myself i knew that i was outside of the republic's position in the second place i knew the republic was in thirty-five fathoms of water so we kept sounding continually and as soon as we struck forty fathoms we changed our course to strike thirty-five fathoms for i knew there was no use of our being in forty fathoms when they were in thirty-five and so it was when we got near enough to the republic for them to hear our whistle when i received a message from captain sealby saying we heard your whistle but it has gone out of range now we immediately changed our course to get within range again here are some of the messages received during the day that indicate the kind of wireless conversation that was continually going on luciana says please listen for his four blasts republic says we can hear a bomb to the west of us is it you la lorraine says he hears republic's bell and is steering straight towards him la lorraine says tell captain ransom we are blowing a whistle not a horn please make as much noise as possible have not heard luciana but she is still around am in touch with lorraine sealby la lorraine and baltic ask republic if he hears bell bomb or whistle he replies he hears steamer's whistle and thinks we both must be close to him baltic operator republic operator says we are sinking rapidly we are keeping everything clear and standing by for republic's signals baltic operator captain baltic 
am cruising round trying to locate you. Captain Luciana. Captain Baltic. There is a bomb bearing northwest from me. Keep firing. Sealby. Siasconset says here from Republic, says to Baltic to hurry, they are sinking fast. Baltic operator. Tell Captain Ransom steer northeast at once. Sealby. For Nessia, which had turned round to render assistance, now thirty-five miles west Nantucket. Will take three hours to get back. Siasconset. Captain Ransom, can we be of any assistance? If not, we'll proceed to New York, as we have hardly enough coal to reach port. You are very close now. Right abeam. Come carefully. You are on your port side. Have just seen your rocket. You are very close to us. Sealby. These messages, taken at random from scores of others, may seem somewhat matter-of-fact to you, but I can assure you they meant a good deal to us on the bridge of the Baltic, and they indicate how we had to feel our way. After twelve hours' search, zigzagging and circling in the fog, changing our course as each new bit of information came by wireless, we at last found the Republic. We came within a hundred feet of the ship before we could see anything, and then we saw only the faint glare of a green light they were burning, like the illumination you burn on the 4th of July. The ship's side lights we could not distinguish, and that was why there was no real use in sending up rockets, although we did so constantly on the chance of their being seen. The passengers had already been taken aboard the Florida, so there was no anxiety about them. The Florida was still well afloat, and there was no danger of her going down, so the first thing for us to do was to transfer the crew from the Republic to our ship. Later we steamed to the Florida and took off the passengers of both ships. As far as I could ascertain, the number taken from the Florida was 1,516 people. There was quite a nasty sea running, and a thick fog. We went to leeward. We did not dare to go to windward of the Florida, as we should have been blown on top of her. The process of transfer was simple enough. We started at eleven o'clock on Saturday night, and the crews of the three ships, the Republic, the Florida, and the Baltic, rowed back and forth in the Republic's lifeboats, and finished the next morning about eight o'clock. Both passengers and crews behaved remarkably well but I am sure it seemed to them a perfectly simple and natural thing to do, although of course somewhat uncomfortable. The unusual thing about it was that the Republic's passengers were transferred twice for reasons of safety, within a comparatively few hours, on the open sea, and in small boats. This has never occurred before in my experience. You ask why Captain Sealby felt that he must stick by his ship even at great personal risk. It is true that he and his second officer were the only ones on board when the Republic foundered, and were thrown into the sea and rescued with some difficulty on account of the darkness. They ran this risk, not in the least to indulge in pyrotechnics, for Captain Sealby is not that kind of a man, but for two very good reasons. First, 
it is a tradition of the sea that a captain must stick to his ship until the last hope is gone and that then he must be the last one to leave her in the second place if he should abandon his ship even with the conviction that she was hopelessly lost and then some other vessel or seaman should come along and save her his own judgment could very easily be questioned and his reputation as a resourceful and trustworthy commander would be irretrievably ruined as to the work involved it was hard for everybody concerned but that is a part of the trade during the time of the search i was where i had to be of course on the bridge i went up about six o'clock on friday morning and stayed there until we docked at one o'clock on monday afternoon about eighty hours food my food was brought up to me sleep why no i was there on the bridge walking around i couldn't have slept even had i gone below however that is not unusual we often have two or three days on the bridge without rest in bad weather and the effect of that is usually that one cannot sleep for some time afterward for instance on monday night after i got ashore and was free from all responsibility i could not sleep yes all these modern appliances which aided us in our search for the republic add greatly to the safety of passengers these modern devices for safety in navigation correspond to the block signal system in railroad travel of course we have our lookout up in the crow's nest who calls out all's well just as the lookout did before modern safeguards were thought of we have had the submarine bell apparatus on all the white star ships for about five years it is a comparatively recent invention american yes an american invention from boston i believe i see no reason to think that we have reached the climax of invention for safety devices in navigation there is always something new who would have thought ten years ago of wireless messages to be used in saving life at sea nobody dreamed of it and it is quite possible to conceive that other discoveries may be made of equal benefit to navigation end of section one hundred and eight